We're talking uh, in the life of our church at the moment about values. Everyone say values. values. Values are what you consider as important. So whatever you think is important, it's a good indicator that that is a value to you. And as a church, I really felt the Holy Spirit just recently say to us as a church that there needs to be an alignment of values for us to be more effective as a church. It's wonderful to have people from different walks of life, backgrounds, stories. But at the end of the day, we've got to turn this incredible tapestry of wonder into a sense of harmony and unity where we're actually effective as a church on the mission and the vision God's given us. And for us to be effective in serving God, there needs to be an alignment of values. We all maybe have values. I think the journey of values are interesting because when we grow up as young little ones, we come into a family and we're surrounded by values. You don't tend to get values, you're surrounded by values. Your mom and dad's values. Your surrounding family, extended family. They're, they're the values that really you live under and live with. But as you get older, you go through puberty, you get on the other side and what we call today uh, terminology is teenage years, double digits. Um, you're, you're in this interesting world where you're aware of values, but you're kind of also starting to break free of the values. Why? Because you want to get your own values. Or maybe before you get your own values, you want to let go of some values. So it's going from parents to friends. Your friends may have different values from your family. And so what happens is you go into pretty rocky round where you're really not strong on values. Maybe you are, and if you are, it will keep you. But often people aren't, then they're not strong on their values. They're not sure about them. And they get into maybe young adults' age, early 20s, late teens. And there's an obvious rejection of values. It's not done with hostility necessarily, but it's a sense of, well, that's my family's values. I kind of have to figure out my friend's values, my values. And you get into this little bit of a stage of life where you're like, I actually need to figure out my values. Might take some of us longer than others, you know, like late 20s, early 30s, that's really late. But whatever the seasons of life are, values are always gonna be in your life. The challenge is you've got to recognize them, you've got to identify them, and you've got to honor them. There's nothing wrong with rejecting values. The process is actually quite healthy in a, in a healthy sense if it's done the right way. You've got to let go to embrace something. At the end of the day, I know they're your values, but I've got to get my own values. Often you'll find that the values that you end up running with tend to be the same values that you were raised with. It's not perfect, but it's consistent. And then eventually you live a life where values are working in a way that you actually begin to absolutely pass on your values generationally. So values, values, values. We gotta talk about it because we're in a church of values. We have values and, and we need to talk about it. So today, uh, this is the second value we're gonna share with you and it's called generosity. The value of generosity. And I wanna show you biblically again how much generosity is a part of this story. And so the first value was the house of God. We're a church that loves the house of God. I value God's house. It's important. And I will do whatever I can to raise myself in the house of God, raise my family in the house of God. I, I'll do everything I can in Jesus' name. I think it's tragic today that people get to a place in their late 20s, early 30s, scroll themselves, exhaust themselves by looking at who is compatible and eventually say, I'm going to leave the house of God to find something that I need or want or both. 
That happens, but I don't believe it's wisdom that builds your life that way. And I'm just saying, God is able, more than able, to do what He wants to do in your life and what you need Him to do in your life. And so the answer is, if the value of the house of God is a strong value, you're not going to go to other things that maybe aren't really. So that's what I'm trying to say is, it's got to be of, of importance to you. Uh, because if it's important, it's, no one can put that on you. It's important to me. I know it's important to you, but it's also important to me. I got married to this lovely lady 30 years ago, 29 years ago. I've known her longer, but what I'm saying to you is, is that what was important to Joyce, I had to make a decision. Is that important to me? And I'll tell you, it wasn't always the same. (laughs) It wasn't. But I had to learn to find out that's important to Joyce, so therefore, and it's the same with God. If it's important to God, it's important to me. And that's a decision. No one imposes that on you. You're invited into that kind of decision-making process. So I really hope that we can go on this journey the next few weeks. I'm not the only speaker. There'll be other guys, uh, other people on the team are going to be sharing values. Is that okay? But I would be interested to find out, do we share this common value of generosity? And so I'm going to read to you um, this uh, seven truths of generosity. That's what today's called, the seven truths of generosity. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. It's going to come on the screen. After teaching at the temple, Jesus was sitting across from the offering box and he was observing the crowd, how the crowd gave money into the collection. Just imagine there's an offering box right there at the front. And people are going to get up It was bigger than that. (laughs) And Jesus is watching. People putting in. So someone got up, called Connie. And Connie was bringing in an abundance of finances and putting it in there. And Jesus was watching. And you're smiling, so you must be happy about that offering. And then reasonably rich (laughs) turned up with a lot of money and he did his digital transaction and Jesus was watching. (laughs) And he's very happy about his offering too. And then Sarah came up and puts in a lot of money and Jesus is watching. And then a poor Italian street musician came and put in his two cents. That was an offering from all his busking this week in Berlin. And Jesus is watching. And this is what it says. Put it on the screen. It's profound. Now, obviously, this is the gospel of Mark. Obviously, the audience were not us. It was collected for us. It wasn't written for us. And yet this gospel is a fast gospel. It's the shortest of all the gospels. It starts with Jesus the Messiah, bam. In fact, if you read this whole gospel, if you read it again, now I've said this, bam, bam, bam. He's just going healing. He's casting demons. He's just going, it's just Jesus on mission, bam, bam, bam everywhere. It's a fast moving gospel. It's written with pace. It's written with urgency. It's written with energy. 
And he writes this because the people who were hearing this were always finding that God was doing something different. And so this is one of them because it's talking about the giving. Now, this is a traditional, a religious practice. They would take their offering. We don't do this today, but I'm thinking maybe we should bring it back. (laughs) But they were doing this. But what I think you need to see here is many of the wealthy, many of the wealthy were making large contributions. One poor widow, or poor poor Italian uh, musician, street musician, came and put two small coins and merely two cents. And Jesus called his disciples over and said, the truth is that this poor Italian street musician busker gave more to the collection than all the others put together. All the others gave what they will never miss. They gave from their surplus. He gave extravagantly. He gave his all. Now, I I'm, know I'm, it says she, but you understand what I'm saying. I love this extravagant generosity, totally trusting God to provide. And the challenge with wealth and increase and a false sense of security is, is that we actually hold on to maybe even the little we've got and we think that that is going to carry us through. And God's saying, I can do better than that. I don't care what you got in the bank. I can do better than that. That, 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 that's going to take you, you think that money is going to make you safe? I can make you safe. Who would have thought banks in Switzerland would be crumbling? And they are. Who would have thought that today's economy is fragile beyond belief? And they are. You can't hide your money enough in this world today without someone or something finding it out. Whatever you're trying to use to make yourself safe, God says, I can beat money every time if you're talking about security. You're more secure with me than you are with your money. How many Netflix documentaries do you need to see? And this is what's going on. Jesus obviously is not an accountant because he says that she gave more than all of them put together. Okay, so how do you see it then? See, God sees it very differently. There might have been a big offering there. It might have been given out of the overflow and the surplus of some wealthy people, but He paid attention to the one that mattered. He paid attention to the one that was trusting Him for everything. And I think we need to learn and realize, well, this is not about giving all your money, by the way, neither. It's got nothing to do with giving all your money. It's about learning to trust God with everything. And I think this is about us learning to trust God in all the seasons. We tend to not trust God when we've got stuff, but we tend to go to God when we haven't got stuff. But we can't live a yo-yo life up and down. We've got to have a constant, a consistency. No matter what I got, I'm trusting God. If I got a lot, I'm trusting God. If I got a little, I'm trusting God. This is a story of our ability to express extravagant generosity. And this widow expressed generous generosity. It's the, the wealthy were tending to trust their abundance, but the widow was trusting God because she had no other options. You're never more generous 
than when you're trusting Jesus. Listen to me, you're never more generous than when you're trusting Jesus. Think about that. When are you the most generous in your life? When I am fully trusting Jesus. When we worship, we're expressing generosity. It's, it's a spirit of generosity. It's an act of generosity to worship God. To hold nothing back. Turn your worries into worship. Think how generous you were today in worship to God. And worship is like warfare to God. The enemy hates. My people will worship me in spirit and in truth. So when we're worshiping today, we're expressing generosity. There's a beautiful fragrance of generosity. Why? Because there's a beautiful sense of worship. When we forgive, we're expressing generosity. Have you ever thought about that? That's incredibly generous to forgive. I forgive you. I may not trust you, but I forgive you. I think it's an incredible expression of generosity. When we love unconditionally, we're expressing generosity. Isn't that incredible? When we're expressing love unconditionally, it's an act or a fragrance of generosity. Amen. What do you want to do to make the world better? Could generosity be something that would help the world be better? Absolutely. So let me give you some thoughts about generosity. And generosity means big hearted, big spirited. It means to be noble. It means to think the best. It means to see the best. It means to believe the best. You know, when you believe the best in someone, that's very generous. I wouldn't do that. You think about it. Oh, let's just believe the best. Why? I'd rather think the worst. But that's not generous to think the worst. Imagine God treating us like, oh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't pick her. Imagine that, having conversation in heaven. Ah, just forget that one. God doesn't know how to forget that one. God is generous to all humanity because He died on the cross for everyone. How generous is God? But I wonder if we could build a momentum in our church because we would decide on, yes, that's not just your value. That's my value. That's our value. What would generosity look like in our church, in our worship, in our prayer, in our praise, in our giving, in our celebration, in our outreach towards others? Oh, I think we need to stir up this whole spirit of generosity. Why? Because we've been given buckets loads of it. Are we big spirited? Oh, I think so. I want to be big spirited. You can in Jesus' name. Amen. You are big spirited. It's just maybe hidden a little bit. We've got to get it out, dust it off a bit. Amen. You are generous. Turn to someone and say, you are generous. Oh, I like that. You're generous even with a sentence. You are generous. You are. Big spirited. Believe the best. Think the best. See the best. I love that in Jesus' name. I think the greatest act of generosity the world has ever seen was our Heavenly Father giving Jesus on the cross. How generous was God? The difference between philanthropy and generosity, just a little point here, I've got lots more on this, but the time doesn't allow me. But philanthropy is something we all understand. To be a philanthropist, to be a generous person, or you have a lot so you can give a lot. But the, the challenge with philanthropy is, is that, yeah, to be in that category, you've got to have something to give. 
And most of us aren't in that category. Any billionaires here today? Oh, amen. One in the corner. Amen. (laughs) Amen. But what I am trying to say, maybe you're a billionaire in the making, millionaire in the making. It doesn't matter what that is. Someone's got to go somewhere in life. Amen. Someone's got to take something and multiply it into something amazing. And there's no doubt that there are going to be people that have incredible trust when it comes to greater wealth. But you grow into that. If you're not faithful in the small, you'll never be faithful in the big. Even if you get big, doesn't mean you'll be faithful. But what you understand is, is that philanthropy is usually got strings attached. If someone gives money, it's protected with trusts and different legal entities around it. I want this to be given, but it has to be used this way, in these conditions, under these circumstances. So we're grateful for for empathy because it's done a lot for education, it's done a lot for medicine, it's done a lot for research, it's done a lot for a lot of things. But at the end of the day, don't mistake it for generosity. Everybody can be generous. Not everyone can be a philanthropist. A generous person doesn't need a lot. They just got a big heart. Even if they got a little, it still goes further. See, generosity is the way God works with His people. He doesn't raise up philanthropists, He raises up generous people. And so there's a lot more I can say on that, but for the sake of it, let me give you the seven truths of generosity. Number one, you have been treated generously, so live generously. Matthew chapter 10, and I want to give you biblical references here so you can see it for yourself and stir your heart and build your faith. Amen. Jesus sent His 12 disciples out to be harvest hands. He gave them this charge. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to reach the unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick. Raise the dead. Touch the untouchables. Kick out the demons. You have been treated generously, so live generously. Don't think you have to put on a fundraising campaign before you start. You don't need a lot of equipment. You are the equipment. Amen. You are the equipment. Unless you're a hairdresser, you need scissors. But what I need you to understand is you don't need a lot to get going with generosity. Because generosity is the way you think, the way you see, the way you speak. Amen. You, you, whatever you got, you can go somewhere. And that's so liberating, empowering in Jesus' name. The second thing about generosity is generosity can flow through you. How good to know that generosity can flow through you. First Peter chapter four, I've already read this to you this morning. God has given each of a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts to serve one another, manage them well, so that God's generosity can flow through you. So God's generosity can flow through you. Who wants God's generosity to flow through you? (laughs) Joyce and I had to leave the service last Sunday to go. We were going to some meetings in Portugal. (laughs) So we got on a plane at Berlin like you do. And our plane was late. Late in leaving. And there was no real reasons given, but it was late, late. And the more I looked, the more I was like, we're going to miss our next connecting flight. We did. We missed our flight. And so when we got to Frankfurt, we were, um, 
It was chaos. There was 55 people on our plane who needed to be on that plane. We arrived at A26, and the plane to Portugal was A28. I know this information because I'm on a plane, and I'm that kind of guy who knows every detail. (laughs) Why? Because I hate getting stuck at airports. I'm like, our plane's coming in. And I said to Joyce, good news, get your bag, run. <laughs> or I'll get the bag, you run. And it's next door. So we literally, 55 people on this plane had to be on that plane. And we're already late. And it's there. So we run and we're running and we run and we get to the gate and it's closed. And we're like, what? That's wrong? All my German came out in one go. That's it's not good. But all I know is this. The guy said, nine. And I said, was? And uh, you know, like, you know, what's going on? And, and he said, someone's made a decision. That plane's going. I said, but 55 people are on that, should be on that plane. I said, it's not economically rational, intelligent at all. You're going to lose money in this decision either way. And he's like, I'm not interested in having this conversation with you. (laughs) I was doing everything to get on that plane. And anything, anyway, we didn't get on the plane. And so there was absolute chaos. And so everybody's scattering. (gasps) And so it's like, who can get to the desk first? So we get to the desk. And uh, remember, I'm talking about generosity flowing through you. You really get tested at airports. So we get to the gate, we get to the, the help service desk, the help desk, and we're like, slow down, sir, slow down. And the next thing, they said, you're shortlisted. Was? Shortlisted? I am not shortlisted in Jesus' name. <laughs> you know, you start confessing everything, you know, in Jesus' name, I shall live, not die. In Jesus' name, I shall tread on scorpions and they shall not bite me. Will not bite. I don't know. Every scripture I could think of was coming out of me in Jesus' name. I will not be shortlisted in Jesus' name. Oh, Mr. Wilkinson, good news. I said, yeah. You're on the plane, but your wife's not. I'm like. What do I do, Joyce? But while we were having a, a discussion of trying to get on the plane, there's a lovely lady next to us who's found out she shortlisted and burst into tears. I pretended I didn't hear. <laughs> but my wife had already gone over to be and started to get involved in her tears. Generosity had begun. The reason this was important to us is because two weeks earlier, our own daughter was stuck in an airport in Zurich. She missed her flights and she was in tears on the phone. And so we couldn't miss this moment. Well, <laughs> generosity had a way of finding a way. And so uh, we, we, you know, we just knew that she was in the same situation. as So we made our way to another gate. Another hour, there was another plane. And we got there and they said, you're shortlisted. And we can't do anything till the plane comes, fills up. So we waited. It's now 11 o'clock at night and we're like exhausted. And the plane is um, filled up and there's one seat. I'm on it and Joyce is not. And the, lady, the man comes to me, he says, Mr. Wilkinson, he said, uh, you're, not, you're on the, we've got your seat. Uh, what would you like to do? 
And then we looked over and we saw this young lady and, and um, my wife spoke up and said, we won't be on that plane because we're going to be traveling together. And I said, yes, of course. <laughs> of course. However, we were happy to let this young lady take this seat and go to Portugal <laughs> to see her family and her loved ones. So we got stuck in our hotel at one o'clock in the morning in Frankfurt. But I thought, that was an act of generosity. And I think we've got to be willing to realize that wherever we are, wherever we go, however we feel, are we willing to let generosity be the value that we live our lives by? And to be honest, I'm telling it in a maybe humorous way, but the truth is it was easy to make that decision. There was tension, there was realities that had a massive knock-on effect for us for the meetings we had the next day. Only thing we could get was the six o'clock plane in the morning, which meant we had to get to bed at two and we had to be awake at three. And, and even the taxi driver was rude, remember that? Like, that taxi driver. But what I'm trying to say, he wasn't humorous, there was not humor in that tour, whatever. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say to you is, and in a kind of going down a rabbit hole kind of way, is that our generosity will be tested at every level. And maybe you don't feel like being generous when you go in an elevator or you're at a shopping center or you're driving your car. Or I just think we have to dig a little bit deeper and ask ourselves, we are generous people. We can make decisions from generosity, from bigness. We don't have to explain everything, but we are generous. Choose the higher road. And I believe that's what God does with us every time. And my encouragement to everyone is that generosity can and should flow through us. Not just to everybody and anybody, but to each other. How generous can we be to each other in this room? Not just buying each other lunch or cooking dinner now and again or taking each other out. It's not just an inward club. It's an outward passion that we care for those we don't know and we love and care for those we do know. But my prayer is that this value, this alignment of value will take our church where we could never take ourselves. Because I'm telling you, when there's strength in our generosity, it lifts everybody and it lifts everything. The third thing about generosity, it comes from your faith. This is a New Testament letter in Philemon chapter 5 or verse 5 to 7. Because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, and I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith. As you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ, your love has given me such joy and comfort, my brother, for your hospitality has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. I just believe that generosity comes from your faith. What kind of faith have you got? If we've got a faith that's not generous, I don't, that's not a faith. Our faith is a generous faith. Because God is a generous God. And I love that we can put it into all expressions of hospitality. Hospitality is not just food. It's the way you smile at people, the way you greet people, the way you welcome people. Hospitality at its best disarms people. You can disarm people no matter where you are and what you do. And I believe it's practiced, it's practiced, it's practiced. Number four, generosity causes people to open up to God. Team can come up um, because I'm going to go pretty quickly on this. Generosity causes people to open up to God. 
Matthew chapter 5, on the screens for you, Jesus said, let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavours of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Just a few weeks ago, we had a new neighbour. Uh, she's a professor at Hamburg University. Her husband uh, and her family have moved to Berlin because of his work situation. So we got to meet them. We had dinner, invited them over, but found out they were sick. So Joyce put together a whole lot of ginger and carrot soup and everything sent me out to get the rusty bread and the salted butter and all of them good things. And we put together a dinner and sent it up and just said, hey, sorry you're, feeling, you're not feeling well. We just wanted to make your dinner, um, you know, speedy recovery. Uh, overwhelmed, shocked, almost struggled to receive it because it's so out of her, what? Now, we didn't put any little flies in there and three services on Sunday, 11, 1 and 5. <laughs> Pastor Joyce is praying for you. None of that stuff. Just love, generosity, no strings attached, hospitality on display. Now, did they feel a little bit suspicious? Yeah, sure, surely. Because it's unusual that people would do that. Maybe you're from a culture where it's not unusual, but in Berlin it is unusual, especially from those who don't know you. And this is the thing, we get a chance to do it again in, in, uh, in the front, the front house of our area. There's a couple, I see them in the morning with a dog, I see them at night with a dog. It's only hello, good morning, uh, and that's it, and it's good enough. It's never anything else. And the other day I saw her walking, and it was obvious that she was ready to, you know, she was... She's pregnant with baby, with child. And I'm like, congratulations. I'm a little bit funny in this stuff. I don't know what to say. I'm like, <laughs> and I just said, congratulations. You look, you know, and he said, oh yeah, we're nearly there. And she's, uh, and next thing, I saw him every day after that. And he was almost like he was avoiding me because I'm going to ask about, how's the baby? How's the mom? You know, it's like too much. But the point was, she'd gone in. It had been a difficult labor, but they'd come home. Joyce had seen them and said, we'll cook you some dinner. No problem. And we did the food, went off to the market, got the bread, put it together, gave it to them. No church flyers, nothing that would connect us to. And they have no family, no extended friend, no one around them. So they're on their own. They're exhausted. Pregnancy's been tough. Delivery was a nightmare. And who better than to be people that can just do that and say, no problem. And what I'm trying to tell you is, is this happens probably hundreds of times, if not thousands of times. Or maybe it doesn't happen enough. I don't know. But I'm just saying, church is not about the songs and the preach and the Sunday. It's about every day. It's about the generosity that we've received. And it's the generosity that we can give to whosoever in Jesus' name. It doesn't mean they're coming to church. It doesn't mean that they met Jesus. It doesn't mean any of that except that they've experienced something that they maybe have never seen before. And it's given them a little bit of a, ah, Maybe the world is not as bad as what we thought. Ah, maybe there's a little glimpse of something positive. Maybe it's the doorway to another conversation later on. I don't know. And I'm not saying they're getting saved and getting to know Jesus. I'm just saying generosity will work wherever you put it to work. Put it to work. 
It may open up doors. It may lead to salvation. It may lead to something profound. Or it may just lead to someone who feels like, gosh, I'm not on my own. It's deep at every level. But we got to realize that generosity can and does open people up to God's goodness. Amen. If He's done it for me, He can do it for you. Number five, generosity is full of grace. Second Corinthians chapter eight, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus. He put Himself out so He could put you in. How generous is His grace towards us? We didn't deserve it, but we got it. Number six, generosity makes plans. The only verse from the Old Testament, Isaiah 32, generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. Well, we're gonna be a generous church, amen. And we're gonna believe God that through, uh, we're gonna continue to provide finances for new water wells for generations to come. By the grace of God, let us be a generous people for the generations to come out of this house in Jesus' Name. We're making generous plans for you, generous plans for your family, generous plans for the generations, generous plans for those who are trapped in the cycle of poverty, generous plans to the children, generous plans. You want to be generous? Start planning to be generous. I love that generosity is powerful. Amen. And I believe we can stand in the generosity that God has given us. And the last one is number seven, generosity. Generous people sow and reap generously. It talks about 2 Corinthians. Let me read it for you. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will only get a small crop but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Oh my goodness. If we can keep sowing generosity, we will reap generously. We have sown into other people, other churches that have needs because we've got needs ourselves. It makes no sense. Why have you given to others when you've got needs yourself? Because if we don't practice generosity, we'll never reap generosity. Give to others and you watch what God does for us. Amen. We may not be able to buy a building for someone, but we can give them generously seed that will sow into their mission, sow into their dream, sow into their aspiration for moving the work of the Lord forward. But maybe God's got someone who's gonna sow into us. I don't know, but I'd rather start the chain reaction. I'd rather connect the dots. I'd rather keep giving, keep serving, keep loving, keep believing, keep being generous because I don't want generosity to dry up. Maybe you got nothing because you sow nothing. But I don't believe anybody sows nothing. I believe you're either so good or you sow bad. What are you sowing? Sowing negativity or you're sowing promises of God? What are you sowing in your mind? What are you sowing in your spirit? We're all sowing. The choice is so good. Even if it's little, Father, even a seed as small as a mustard seed is still powerful faith. So my prayer is we will share this value, that we, we will glean into this value, that we will 
honor this value, that we will say, hey, that's not just your value, that's our value, that's my value. This is the value that God can work with. But I'll tell you, when we get alignment in values, we're gonna be far more effective as a church in helping the broken, the needy, the lonely, the disenfranchised, the marginalized, whatever we got to do, we can do it in Jesus' Name because generosity is in us, generosity is through us, generosity is upon us. We have been received generously and we will give generously. Can anybody say amen in this place? We are a generous people.